What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I am Carlos Colazo, hosting you today. Uh, and today we're going to talk Cardinals with good old Kyle Glazer. Kyle, how's it going, man? Doing all right, Carlos. This was a fun system to do. And uh, my second year doing the Cardinals system. And, uh, you know, one thing about the Cardinals is they're going to have big name guys, but they get guys up through the system as effectively, I mm -hmm. think, as any system and uh, any organization in baseball yeah makes it always kind of fun to put their list together yeah the cardinals obviously for a long time have had that reputation of just being a solid team always in the mix because it seems like they can always find homegrown guys here or there turn them into some a few stars i know uh their core at the major league level uh, is getting a little bit older uh in the past three years for the cardinals maybe not as successful as they've been used to this is this is almost like Three terrible years for the Cardinals in the sense of what they're used to, but really it hasn't been too bad, although missing the playoffs is never exciting for St. Louis fans. So before we jump into some of these prospects, can you kind of give me a sense of what is the state of the Cardinals at this moment? As you mentioned, they haven't made the playoffs three straight years. First time that's happened since 1997 to 1999. I will say, though, think about last year for the Cardinals, right? The year their manager gets fired, mm -hmm. they have to do a complete bullpen renovation in the middle of the season. You know, their star player they gave a lot of money to, actually the player they gave the most money to, mm -hmm. Dexter Fowler, has not been a star for them, is, you know, not performing. There, there's all sorts of, all these issues like that is, you know, the quote-unquote, the chaos season. Yeah. The Cardinals' chaos season, they won 88 games. 88 game chaos season. That's pretty good. I mean, this is a team that, you know, we've talked about disappointment. They're consistently in the hunt for the postseason into mm -hmm. the final month. In a They're, very tough division. Now they go out and add a Paul Goldschmidt, trading away three players who, you know, all do some nice things, but none of them really projected mm -hmm. to have a impact, you know, this is going to be a part of the Cardinals' yeah. next core. They, they can live without all these guys. You add a Paul Goldschmidt, you sign an Andrew Miller. Yeah, I mean, you look at Paul Goldschmidt, who's a, who's a better player that's changed teams this offseason? I mean, it'd be pretty tough to name one that tops Paul Goldschmidt. That's a huge add, even though he's only got one more year in his contract. And, and you know it's the exciting. Cardinals are going to re-sign him. That's just, that's just <laughs> the way it works out for yeah. them, right? Um, I, so I think for me, I mean, this might sound crazy, but... I honestly, if you were to pick the Cardinals to win the NL Central over the Cubs and mm -hmm. Brewers, like right now, given the way the rosters are as of today, I can see the argument for yeah. it. Uh, this is a team that, again, was right there. They were they had a wild card spot on September 1st of last year. We saw Jack Flaherty take a step forward. We saw some of these other guys, you know, Tyler O'Neill came up and got his first taste. Harrison Bader, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, really showed himself him. to be a, a bona fide starting center fielder in the major leagues. Alex Reyes, hopefully, finally, cross your fingers, will be back. Dakota Hudson came up. We saw this young group ascend, help elevate this team. Mm -hmm. Matt Carpenter is still producing. Yadier Molina is still producing. It's not like these young guys came up and had to make up for older guys not doing their jobs. Yeah. A lot of them were. You know, Paul DeYoung uh, took, you know, came back down to earth a little bit. Still a really good player. Yeah. 
there's a lot to like about the Cardinals. I, I think that they have done enough to put themselves in position to end mm -hmm. this playoff drought. But they haven't done it at the expense of like, oh, we've had to go all in just to end this and we're yeah. kind of screwed for future years. The Cardinals, as they always seem to be, mm -hmm. they're in a good position to win now and they're in a good position to win two years from now, three years from now, four years from now. Look, a lot can change, yeah. a lot will change, but you know, this is a, an organization that's one of uh, the most stable in baseball. And mm -hmm. I think right now they're, they're in a good place, even though it's a slightly unfamiliar place for them and their fan base. Yeah, well, you mentioned their top prospect. We'll get into him in a few minutes. But before we dive in and talk players specifically, what is your sense of the strength of this farm system? We talked a little bit about the Major League team. Uh, there are some exciting names on here that I'm looking forward to talking about with you. But how does this farm system rank uh, in the scheme of 30 teams? I think it's a top 10 farm system. Now, a lot of that is because of some guys at the major league level who will graduate very soon. Yeah. Alex Reyes will graduate with, when he records one more out in the major mm -hmm. leagues, Tyler O'Neill, one more at bat, he graduates. Uh, I think when those guys graduate, you know, maybe it's, maybe they're number 12, maybe there's number 15, mm -hmm. but this is a system that has star power at the top, has good contributors in the middle, and has some really interesting depth guys. They've really yeah. invested in Latin America in recent years. And you, know, you go down into some numbers, you know, 18, 19, 20 in their system, there's still some really good players that evaluators think, I think this guy can be a starting everyday player. I mm -hmm. think this guy can be a starting pitcher. Like, to me, the Cardinals, you know, we talk about it's really, really hard to have a good major league team and a good farm system. Mm -hmm. The Astros and Dodgers have nailed that for years now. Outside of those two, if you were to ask me what team probably has the best major league team combined with best farm system, so in the, the Cardinals, Cardinals up there, are huh? right there. I mean, they're number well, that's three be exciting or four for in that Lewis discussion. Fans. I mean, again, there, there's a lot to like top to bottom in this organization. Mm -hmm. No doubt. Well, let's jump into it then. I mean, obviously, Alex Reyes is the number one guy here, as you mentioned. He's the famous guy in this system, has been very well thought of for a long time now. But he's a guy who's battled a number of injuries was there any consideration in moving him out of that number one spot because of maybe some of these injury risks, or was this the obvious number one choice for this system? If he had been the same guy, so if he had had his TJ come back and been the same guy he mm -hmm. was before and gotten hurt again, probably would have dropped him just because of the injury risk. Mm -hmm. What complicated things, in a good way, for the Cardinals at mm -hmm. least, Al, and I had heard about this during the handbook last year. They were saying, you know, Alex Reyes, for, for all his you know, gifts, mm -hmm. look, he had tested positive for marijuana. He was definitely you know, kind of a little, little soft in the body, mm -hmm. uh, and a little chubby. There had been some, <laughs> you know, lack, I, I, I'm trying to the best way to say this, uh, lack of seriousness in yeah. his dedication to perfecting his craft. You know, and during that offseason, a number of Cardinals officials told me that, hey, you know, being in the Major League Clubhouse rehabbing and watching what Adam Wainwright is doing, mm -hmm. it really kind of clicked for him. And it's like, okay, that's great. But, you know, sometimes you hear that about guys and they come out and nothing's changed. Yeah. Well, he showed up this year. He was thinner. He was stronger. He was a lot more. I mean, you could just see it that the competition level on the mound was a lot more focused. Mm -hmm. And the guy that showed up, and I know I'm in the minority at Baseball America here, the guy that <laughs> showed up pitching his one-start double, his one-start triple-A, that is the best pitching prospect in baseball, not Forrest Whitley. The oh. Alex Reyes that showed up in those games was, you know, Forrest Whitley, you can project four or five-plus pitches. Mm -hmm. Alex Reyes has them. At worst, it's three-pluses and an above average. Yeah. 
with so that's your guy, Alex Reyes, with huh? control that got way, 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 way better. Yeah. You know, before there'd be you know nine strikeouts, but there might also be four or five walks, a lot of deep mm -hmm. counts, some wild pitches, and some pitches that weren't competitive. That was all gone. I mean, Bob's in better shape. He was able to stay on mind of the plate more. There was there was a very clearly a much you know sharper focus and dedication mm -hmm. on the mound. This was a number one starter. Yeah. So and then the injury happens, and that's what made this latest injury such a bummer mm -hmm. because this was the best Alex Reyes had ever been, and I mean this this was a true number one caliber starting pitcher in mm -hmm. baseball. What he was showing. Yeah. So he throws. 27, 28 innings last year. What is the outlook for him in 2019? What are you expecting from him? That, that's, that's the million-dollar question, yeah. right? This latest injury <laughs> happens, and at a certain point, you say, okay, there's been a shoulder, there's been an elbow, and now there's a lat. At what point does that start to sap the stuff? Mm -hmm. So the optimist to me can say what I expect. Alex Reyes comes back, he's healthy, and he picks right back up where he left off, and mm -hmm. he becomes not just the Cardinals number one, but he wins NL Rookie of the Year running away and is a number one, number two starter on a playoff team. We saw what Walker Buehler did for the Dodgers mm -hmm. in the postseason last year from winning the one-game you know, playoff, mm -hmm. uh, one-game division uh, title championship tiebreaker, I should mm -hmm. say, to being the you know, one Dodger starter in the World Series against the Red Sox to mm -hmm. just ball out. Alex Reyes can do all that. Mm -hmm. He can be that guy for the Cardinals. But, you know, if he comes back, and, and again, you know, a lat, an elbow, a shoulder, it's all adding up now. If the stuff starts to be sapped or, you know, something just doesn't come back right, mm -hmm. who knows? I mean, I, I, for me, seeing which Alex Reyes comes back and when he comes back... Yeah. To me, it's going to be one of the storylines for the entire Cardinals season. You know, every bit as important as can Matt Carpenter, you know, carry on what he did for May last year? Can, you know, Jack Flaherty repeat? Like, mm. the health of Alex Reyes and which one shows up can and will be the difference, I think, between the Cardinals, you know, staying in the NL Central title race and, and probably winning it mm -hmm. versus, you know, maybe there's five or six extra games in there where instead of, a win, it's a loss, and all of a sudden you're more in the wild card contention. Yeah. I mean, this is that level of impact talent, if he's healthy, the level of difference he can make. But I can't say anything with confidence what to expect from him yep. because we've been through this so many times. No doubt. Well, hopefully he does wind up healthy uh, and on the mound regularly for the Cardinals. He's obviously a fun player to watch. Um, after Reyes in the Cardinals system, we have an, another pair of right-handers in Tyler O'Neill and Dakota Hudson, two and three respectively. Well, one's a right-handed outfielder, one's a right-handed pitcher. Oh, uh, excuse me. Yeah, well, we have the next two guys. And then how, how exactly would you line those guys up? Uh, was it difficult? We see how you've lined them up. How easy did they fit in that slot? Is this the next tier? Would you include maybe a Nolan Gorman after that? How exactly did these guys kind of fall into your top ten? Sure. Alex Reyes is the clear number one, no questions asked. Um, two through five was interesting with Tyler O'Neill, Dakota Hudson, Nolan Gorman, Ella Harris-Montero. Mm -hmm. To be honest, that's the clear second tier. I can see the argument for them, I don't want to say in any order, mm -hmm. but if you were to mix that order around, you could justifiably do it. Um, I went with Tyler O'Neill at number two just mm -hmm. because the dude hit 35 home runs between AAA and the majors last year, showed his power played, made some swing adjustments, and oh, by the way, 
you know, we're showing plus plus speed. I mean, uh, MLK, MLB uh, Statcast sprint speed. Uh -huh. Made some great plays in right field. I mean, this is a, you know, my, my pie in the sky comp on him has, has been Chris Davis, Chris with a K Davis. Mm -hmm. You know, shorter guy, smaller guy, but jacked, and you know the power to literally. Hold yeah, listen to five eleven, two ten, and it's all muscle. It's <laughs> it's pretty amazing to, to when you see him. Mm -hmm. um, but Chris Davis is kind of a DH. Like Tyler O'Neill's racing around the outfield, making diving catches, mm -hmm. and you know, stealing some bases for you. So I think just the combination of the potential to be not just a power threat, but a power speed threat, mm -hmm. and the fact he's majorly ready, I, I I feel very confident in him number two, really over any of the other guys. But I can see the argument for Nolan Gorman. Uh, there's, there's a a guy I got to see quite a bit of in the spring and uh, previous summer as a 2018 draft guy. He's fun. Would you say it's pretty obvious he has the best power in the system? Is there someone who rivals it? Tyler O'Neill. There mean, you go. They, Those two. They both have a chance to lead the league in home runs someday. Um, O'Neill's obviously proven it and is closer and shown he can get to that power against double mm -hmm. A pitching, triple A pitching. So Tyler O'Neill did get the best tool of best power yeah. in the system. But Nolan Gorman. He's proven it at a much higher level, obviously. But with Gorman, I think even from my perspective, uh, he was a guy who struggled a little bit in the spring. There was some swing and miss that started to concern evaluators. And then to see what he did in his pro debut was extremely impressive. I, I really liked this kid the whole time, but even I didn't expect him to get to his power with that frequency while playing defense as well as he did. Were there people, when you were talking to evaluators, both inside and outside of the Cardinal system, was there a surprise that he seemed to acclimate to the pro game as quickly as he did, or was that expected? So most of the pro scouts who saw him didn't have any history with him on the amateur mm -hmm. circuits. They were like, yeah, this guy's really good. Within the Cardinal system, there was a sense that um, this is something they thought he could do, even mm -hmm. with some of those spring struggles, just because the track record of playing for you know national team, all the showcases. Mm -hmm. you know, as we've seen so many of these kids now, they're, very, they're, they're not drafted off the spring of their senior year anymore. They're yeah. drafted off of what they've done their whole careers. And when you know, while Nolan Gorman has always been a power over hit kind of guy, mm -hmm. and those guys are always going to strike out a little bit, or you know, no, no one's projecting him to win a batting title. Mm -hmm. um, but there was just a level of comfort that you know, he's an advanced hitter who's seen good pitching. He's probably trying to do a little bit too much in his draft year. You know, once he gets drafted, gets settled, mm -hmm. and knows he's secure, we expect him to really take off. And we saw that went right to Johnson City. And yeah, just for reference, he played in the Appy League and the Midwest League. Got 274 plate appearances and hit a very impressive 291, 385, 70 with 17 home runs total. That's 11 in the Appy in League. What 40? Oh, 17 home runs and 63 games total. Yeah, exactly. 11 in the Appy League and six in the Midwest League. I mean. And he's young for the 2018 class. He's more than two years younger than the Appy League competition. Then first almost three and a half. First player born in the 2000s to ever be drafted. Yeah, it's it's a very exciting talent. Um, so he, there was an argument for him at number three. Again, okay. You know, D Dakota Hudson. Ultimately, I I still feel pretty safe. You know, I say two through five. You could you could mess it around a little mm -hmm. bit. I f I felt pretty strong with Tyler O'Neill at number two, just okay. given you know. There's big tools. There's and a lot there. less you're projecting on. Right. There's big tools, and he's there. Um, but with Dakota Hudson, you know, I still gave him the edge because look, the guy was drafted two years ago. He got to the majors in two years. Mm -hmm. Every step, he's won everything. Right. He double A, tech, league pitcher of the year, triple A, PCL pitcher. Like he's been the pitcher of the year <laughs> the two full pro seasons he's had. Got to the majors in two years and was dominant out of that bullpen mm -hmm. for them down the stretch. When I, say, when I say dominant, it wasn't like striking out everyone and their mom dominant, yeah. but you know, 
really stabilized the bullpen, was put in some high leverage situations. Like, this guy has never done a darn thing wrong. And, you know, you have the accolades. He's in the majors. Mm -hmm. To me, I, I'm, I gave him the edge there. But um, if you wanted to bet on Nolan Gorman being the position player, big tools, mm -hmm. especially if you think Dakota Hudson's more of a, a relief arm, and there's plenty who do. Yeah. There's absolutely a strong argument for, for Nolan Gorman, number three, and I would not fight you on it or tell you you're wrong. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, a really good season from Hudson, 2-6-3 ERA in 27 innings with the big league club. It's kind of nice for the Cardinals to have all these guys in your top three that are so close. I mean, really already there at the major league level. But we talked about Gorman. We can move on from him. Right after Gorman, you have another third baseman, who I believe you've already mentioned in this podcast. I don't want to butcher his name, so I'll just let you take over here, Kyle. What, I mean... How nice is it to have two, a pair of third basemen with the kind of talent that these two have? And what is just the, uh, the overall thought process of Montero here at number five? So El Hiros Montero, first full season, wins Midwest League MVP, goes up to the Florida State League. Gorman is the power hitter, right? Yeah. That, you know, it, it might not ever be more than 250, 260, but there could be, I mean, the Cardinals are hoping there's 40 bombs in there. But, yeah. you know, I mean, 25 to 30 is not crazy, right? Elihiros Montero is the guy who might hit 300 with 25 bombs, too. Mm -hmm. um, this is just a really, really interesting hitter. He's got a really incredible feel. He adjusts very quickly. You know, one of the things that came up in my discussions with evaluators with him, again, one of the youngest players in the Midwest League. Mm -hmm. He's been pushed fast his whole career. Yeah, his age 19 season up to the Florida State League, almost three and a half years younger than the competition there. Yeah, you know, pitchers didn't get him out the same way twice, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he'd go up, and hey, sometimes a pitcher just beats you. It happens to even the best hitters. But he saw what they would do, and it never happened again. Yeah. And to see that from someone so young, first year of full season ball, and to do it as consistently as he did, and as mm -hmm. quickly as he did, I mean, you see incredible tools to hit. And, you know, there's, there's already power there. There's mm -hmm. going to be more. Plus the aptitude to adjust I mean, those, those are the two things you need to project as a, as a potential. You know, you get plus hit above average power. Mm. It might be plus and plus. I mean, this is a truly special hitter. And, you know, we talked about Gorman potentially be three. There's an argument for Montero number three mm -hmm. over Gorman. There are some people in the Cardinal system who think he's better. So if you wanted to scramble Hudson, Gorman, Montero in almost any order, mm. you could do it and not be wrong. Yeah, no doubt. Well, after uh, number five, we have, I believe, four hitters and one other pitcher that rounds out the top ten. Pretty hitter-heavy top ten for the Cardinals. Uh, are there any guys in this six to ten range really pop out to you or excite you or that you want to specifically touch on here? We've got Genesis Cabrera, uh, number six, a left-handed pitcher, Lane Thomas, Andrew Knitzer, Malcolm Nunez, and Dylan Carson rounding out the list. And for the full 30, obviously, order the prospect handbook and you can get all of Kyle's detailed notes on all these guys. Yeah, so Genesis Cabrera was an interesting uh, midseason acquisition. They got him. They traded Tommy Pham to Tampa Bay. And, you know, it was kind of a, a weird trade because Tommy Pham was the hero of St. Louis mm -hmm. in 2017, struggled in 2018, went to Tampa Bay, and, and, you know, at the time it seemed like the Cardinals maybe sold low on him. Mm -hmm. uh, they got three guys back. Genesis Cabrera kind of helped fill an organizational hole. And what I mean by that is, they did not have left-handers with velocity in their system. You know, we saw them call up Austin Gomber, who's a very good pitcher, but mm -hmm. against, you know, 92, 94, will get you a five. I mean, it was, it was you, know, you look down their system, you know, left-handers with velo was mm -hmm. something this system did not have. 
They traded Tommy Pham. They get Justin Williams, the outfielder. They get Raul Ramirez, you know, another young arm who uh, some reports had up to 100. Mm -hmm. But Cabrera is the best of all of them. Um, you know, lefty, you'll, you'll see 97. You'll, there's a chance for more. Yeah, really only two lefties in the entire system. Not a ton there. Yeah, and, and this is, you know, they had to trade to get this one. I will say the top 30 to be specific. Yes, there, there are more than yeah. that. Uh, but even some of the lefties even beyond that, you know, you'll see the depth chart in the prospect mm -hmm. handbook. It's more funk, it's more deception. Mm -hmm. Like left-handed Velo was something the Cardinals did not have yeah. a lot of. And getting Genesis Cabrera, and again, this is not someone who's showing it to you in low A. Mm -hmm. He was in double A, he finished the year in triple A Memphis, another guy that you know, has a chance to impact the Cardinals this year. Uh, he is a starter in the minors. Mm -hmm. Mostly everyone thinks it's, he's a reliever. But it's okay because that reliever comp we've heard over and over and over again is Felipe Vasquez. Mm -hmm. That's an all-star closer who's lights out the end of games, you know. And, and sometimes one of the things that bothers me sometimes about the prospect was ah reliever, reliever. Yeah. Go try and win games at the major league level with a bad bullpen, especially without you know the, the dominant end of game guy. That makes so much of a difference in your mm -hmm. ability to contend over the course of 162 games. Genesis Cabrera has a chance to be that guy. Now, they're still going to send him out as a starter. Maybe the control smooths out. Maybe it doesn't. But um, I, I think most people at this exact moment in time see him as more of a reliever. Yep. But a reliever who's going to make the difference between the Cardinals. And the Cardinals, as everyone who watched that team in the first half saw last year, I mean, how many games did that bullpen blow for them? I mean, they literally it, it took it apart in July <laughs> and said, yeah. you're all fired. We're bringing in a whole new uh -huh. group. Um, again, I, I think he has a chance to impact the club. He'll probably be up mid-2019. So, again, all these other guys are good prospects. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Andrew Kinzer has become the top-catching prospect in the system with the trade of Carson Kelly, heir apparent to Yadier Molina. You know, Malcolm Nunez is a really interesting Cuban guy uh, who really raked in the DSL. Dylan Carlson's a former first-rounder. Like, all these guys are good prospects mm -hmm. in their own right. Mm -hmm. um, I just... For me, foresee Genesis Cabrera when all is said and done, having the most impact of all these guys at the major league level mm -hmm. and soonest on top of it, and thus he's the top ranked of this tier. There yeah. is a teardrop here between El Harris Montero at five into the six to ten range. Okay, but I would say six to ten and six to eleven really. Number okay. eleven is also in the conversation. That's the tier three. All of them, you know, or I shouldn't say all of them. A lot of them project to be you know solid major leaguers mm -hmm. not just spare parts i just think cabrera is the one that has a chance to make the most impact okay. uh, both personally and on the cardinals fortunes as a franchise awesome well you rounded out the top 10 pretty well uh excited to hear about a lot of these guys is there anyone in that 11 through 20 maybe even going down to 30 range who is a guy you can envision maybe popping up and being in this top you as you mentioned a lot of these guys are going to be graduating from the list soon who are some guys who maybe can step into this top 10 range uh, either just from graduation or if they take a step forward, get healthy maybe, make some adjustments to their game. Who excites you that's not currently in the top 10 that you want to touch on here? Yeah, so, so a lot of the strength of this system is in the upper levels. So mm -hmm. if you get your prospect handbook, you'll see some of the guys who are kind of next. A lot of guys with AAA time. Yeah. One particular exception is John Torres, outfielder who they acquired from uh, the Indian system last year. Uh, he's a Colombian and he was playing in one of the uh, big Latin American showcases in Panama a few years back with 
you know, uh, Ivan, you know, Eric Pardino, who was with the Blue Jays, was yep. there playing for Brazil. Ivan Had a Herrera, very good year. Uh, Ivan year. Herrera, who's a Cardinals uh, catching prospect, was there representing Panama. Mm -hmm. John Torres was this 15-year-old, kind of a baby giraffe, like really <laughs> tall and skinny. You know, he's listed at six foot four hundred, uh, one ninety nine right now. Right, and that's him filled out. Like, so you yeah. Subtract three years from that. You know, again, <laughs> baby giraffe. You know, and one thing about you know, there weren't really any tools there. I mean, you really had to dream on. Mm -hmm. He's a big kid. He's left handed. You know, he signed with the Indians for not much. I think it was hundred fifty k. And again, you know, I was told by someone with the Cardinals, like, I mean, yeah, we saw him, and we would. You know, it's not like we said no, we're not signing, but we wouldn't have even gone that high. I mean, mm -hmm. if we were going to sign him, it was going to be for, like, this was, it was just such a long, long, long projection mm -hmm. where you had to dream on about 18 different things happening. Yeah. Well, all 18 of those things happened. <laughs> um, you know, he, he, he signs with the Indians, shows up in Arizona this year, kind of as an anonymous guy. You know, mm -hmm. every year there's prospects who show up from, from the Latin America who they sign for a big bonus or mm -hmm. they're a son of a big leaguer. Like, there's something where scouts know ahead of time, all right, I'm going to keep an eye on this guy. I mean, within a month, this, everyone in the Arizona League was just raving about mm -hmm. this guy. Um, he had become you know, one of the top prospects in the league. Bill Mitchell, who puts together the Arizona League rankings for us, mm -hmm. ranked him the number two prospect in the entire league. And that was with him getting traded at midseason. You know, yeah. the, the Cardinals were able to nab him uh, for a surprisingly low cost, you know, an Oscar Mercado. Um, who, who was a good a good outfield prospect mm -hmm. for them, but not a big leaguer, probably more of a fourth guy. And they got John Torres and outfielder Connor Capel around the deadline. So Torres is already blowing everyone away in the Arizona League. Mm -hmm. He's filled out. It's it's a big power swing, left-handed. Yeah. So, so he hits for average too. He was hitting 273, 351, 424 with the Indians in the Arizona League before the trade. So the trade happens. And, and After again, that, you see this trend of keeps getting better yeah. like every month the body every the cardinals acquire him boom and he just took off in the gcl mm -hmm. uh i mean that you have the numbers in yeah his They're cardinals insane. line and uh let's see how many games right here 17 games he hit 397 493 683 with four home runs and six doubles uh eight walks to 13 strikeouts uh that is electric <laughs> right it's just 17 games but um Again, so all of a sudden, you have this young guy who's filled out, um, but because he wasn't always... Still just 18. 18, still a baby. But because he wasn't always just the biggest, strongest guy, mm -hmm. he's not just like a big, stiff hitter either, mm -hmm. right? You know, one of the things that I thought was really interesting coming out is there's a lot of athleticism and flexibility in the swing. It's a really mature approach. All the things you want to hear and see... But even though he's, he's a big, I mean, 6'4", 199, 18, that, that's still a big boy. Mm -hmm. They were saying, he's actually pretty light on his feet in yeah. the outfield. He gets good jumps. Like, th this is a well-rounded player. He's not just some big, big donkey who just mm -hmm. swings for the fences. Um, that all being said, it's rookie ball. It's very small sample sizes. You know, we still need to see how it translates uh, against full season ball, but... You know, there's some players coming out of, of, of rookie ball or short season ball, and you say, you know, he played really well. I kind of want to see how it shakes out. And there's other guys, it's like, yeah, I see all the pieces there. Mm -hmm. I'm not really worried about him succeeding at the next level. Torres falls into the latter ca camp. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not top 10 in the system right now just because, again, all these a lot guys, still to prove. 
Right, lots to prove where all these guys have had enormous minor league success mm -hmm. at higher levels and are either in the majors or on the cusp. But as we talked about, the top three guys in the system are going to graduate by the end of April. Theoretically, you could see, I mean, another three or four in the top, you know, 15 go as well. Mm -hmm. I think by mid-season, as long as John Torres does what he is expected to do, mm -hmm. plus just with natural graduations, yeah. I think he'll be in the top 10 and if he be really goes off. making a bit more off, of a name for himself. Yeah, and if, if he really goes off, you know, people talk about who are the, the, the sleepers who we could see on the top 100 next year, this time next year. I'm not going to sit here and pound the table and say John Torres will be one of them. Yeah. But he's got a chance. He's on the list for me of guys that I'll be watching to see who mm -hmm. are candidates to make that jump. Well, there you go. You heard it here first. John Torres, watch out for him. Uh, we touched on a number of these guys, Kyle. Is there any other thing you want to talk about in this system, whether that's weaknesses outside of the lack of left-handed uh, power arm pitchers, anything you are concerned about with this system, or any just last notes you want to leave us with? So I think the shortage in this system right now is in the middle infield. Yeah. Um, you know, they traded Andy Young as part of the Paul Goldschmidt trade, and you have now it's it's kind of okay because you have Paul DeYoung who's a young shortstop mm -hmm. although there is a large segment of the population that thinks they really should make him a third baseman even though advanced metrics like him just you know they think there's mm -hmm. other players who might be better natural shortstops Colton Wong is still in his 20s uh, he is signed for a few more years but there's been a lot of mixed you know kind of things there with him and, and the Cardinals um, Tommy Edmond is really the only middle infielder they, they've got that projects more an up-down guy. Mm -hmm. And even he's kind of a utility guy. Like, what they're hoping for with him is yeah. to be the role that, like, Greg Garcia was and Daniel Descalso before him, that left-handed bench utility exactly. guy. And outside of Edmund, you really only have a couple other middle infielders in the top 30 of this system. And, and you know, it's really up-down-ish type guys. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's the weakness. But one of the things the Cardinals have excelled at, probably more than any other system, it's funny, scouts use the term uh, Cardinals devil magic. I've heard that <laughs> phrase multiple times. Um, they, this organization, I think, is better than any other I've come across at taking college hitters mm -hmm. who, you know, either, you know, they get put into the, oh, they're too stiff bucket or, you know, he's just a college compiler, performer type mm -hmm. and make them into big leaguers. And they do it all the time. Look at Paul DeYoung. He was in that bucket. You know, Andy Young was a 37th round pick. All of a sudden, he was going to be on the verge of the top 10 in this system and is on the top 10 in, in the Diamondbacks. Or mm -hmm. uh, close to the top 10. He's not in it for the Diamondbacks, but he's close. Um, just again and again and again, the Cardinals, just, you know, it's funny. Their track record of building high school bats is really, really poor. You know, Nick Plummer, Bryce Denton, Delvin Perez. Their track record of building college bats, I mean, even back to Matt Carpenter, we came out of TCU when TCU was, was still a mid-major. Mm -hmm. They weren't in the, the Big 12 yet. They were in the Mountain West. It was, a, I think, an 11th round pick. I mean, you know, double-digit round pick. I mean, they just do this, right? So on the one hand, you could say, I'm worried about the Cardinals and, and some of the middle infield depth. But these guys always find someone mm -hmm. in, from the college ranks and turn them into a big leaguer. Yeah, 13th round pick for Matt Carpenter, so yeah. you're close, but yeah, so the point stands. So, um, you know, they're, they're really strong in, in right-handed pitching. They're really strong in outfielders. Um, they've got really, you know, two of the top third base prospects in the game, mm -hmm. in Gorman and Montero, and, and Nunez is, is on his way up well. So 
they're strong in, in most other spots. They've got really good catching depth, too, with Kinzer, Herrera behind him, a couple other guys. So they're in good shape. Um, it would be... It would, it would behoove them, you know, to to find some more middle infield options mm. just because you can never have too many of those no guys. Doubt. But uh, on the whole, you know, it's not like there's there's something in this system that's just so gaping that you can say, oh, man, you know, the big league team's going to be in trouble in a year exactly. or two. They're, they're, they're okay. Okay, solid. Well, thanks for breaking this down for us all, Kyle. Uh, if you guys want the full... Cardinals Top 30 with all the scouting reports, the organization overview, best tools, all of that good stuff. Be sure to order the Baseball America Prospect Handbook. If you order that directly from us, you'll get a supplement that includes uh, scouting reports on players who aren't necessarily on the Top 30 but could impact the big league team this year. Uh, the Cardinals have a lot of really good prospects who are going to be doing that, uh, but you'll get a few more as well if you order directly from us. Um, thank you guys for listening to this podcast and all of our podcasts as always. We love having you here. We love talking about the game with you guys. For Kyle, I'm Carlos Colazo. Thanks for listening, everyone. Mm-hmm.